Koo going to bounce it right at Samuel. He's going to throw it back. And to the far side goes Emmanuel Sanders, or no, Richie James. Now he's going to sling it backwards. Now Mostert's going to take the deep shot. Ball hits the ground. And that is the ball game. And Alameda Zacchaeus is going to score. The ball got loose. Zacchaeus gets his second touchdown in his many weeks. The ball game is over. You're listening to Falcons Audible, presented by AT&T. And I'm Matt Speak here with... Dave Archer and DJ Shockley in the Flowery Branch studio. Yeah, we uh, Headquarters of the Falcons on a very happy Victory Monday. Falcons win 29-22, gents. And oh my, what an ending that game was. Mm. Uh, is this really, hold on a second. You, you do such a good job of running the ship on this thing. I think that we should give, is this the, the studio at Flowery Branch? Is that what this is? I thought yeah. this was Chateau Tabique. Oh, hey. We, we, we can do that. Chateau Tabique, aren't we? Westwood one, Flowery <laughs> Branch one. No, I apologize for interrupting you. A little bit, a little bit giddy after, a little bit giddy after the plane fight back, Matt. And uh, man, what time yeah. did you get to sleep what, last night, well, Dave? Uh, the plane got back. We got morning. back to uh, to Atlanta about three, about you know a little before three, and I was able to maybe fracture a, a speed limit or two getting home. <laughs> Maybe and uh, got back about three thirty to my house, and uh, I so I think you, most I of us. Your car, Dave. I, I think you probably went a little bit over. <laughs> I think most <laughs> of us. Most of us got back. Probably got to bed about four o'clock. But uh, it was a fun trip. Man. I bet it was a fun trip. I was here watching the game and uh, writing my post game column here. But uh, wow, we were uh, at the end of that game. Let's just start right there. Let's just start with the end of the game. Um, Falcons take over with what? They had a minute and I'm trying to think how much was on the I'll clock. Say like 121, 120. something like that, somewhere in that neighborhood. Yeah. And one Matt, timeout. Matt Ryan. Be, before we even go to offense, okay. how, about, how about give the defense some credit? Well, I want to. Because I got some stats. No, I'm saying just from, just from, if we're starting in the game, I think the defense holding them to three points is big. Holding them to that point where. If they pick up another first down or they go score, Two we, we don't even have an opportunity to talk about this. So. Yeah, the defense, uh, no doubt about it, the defense is the story of the game uh, uh, until that that ending. Uh, we can start wherever you want, but, uh, uh, you know. My bad. We're at Chateau you Beak. Start, I okay. forgot. We're at Chateau Beak, so let's well, just. Well, let's just, yeah, we're going to talk about it all here. But uh, <laughs> the defense certainly keyed. Uh, shut down that vaunted 49ers run game, and we'll talk about that. But the Falcons drive down the field. Matt Ryan shows a ton of grit, ton of poise. Um, if there's any doubt about what the guy brings to the table, you know, it's funny. I, I know I've mentioned it in the past, but so many fans, you know, just don't have an appreciation, it feels like, for Matt Ryan and what he's done. And boy, Dave, I'm just, you know, I know you wrote about it in the quarterback's take this morning on AtlantaFalcons.com, but Matt Ryan driving him down the field um, showed a lot of toughness. The line played well. Uh, he was only sacked twice yesterday, but uh, just gritty, gritty play. And talk us through that series there, especially um, let's just, let's just pick it up right there. Where, and, you know, when the, the incomplete pass to, 
Austin Hooper that was overruled, and then the, the play to Julio. To, well, let's let's to put let's him ahead. go back into drive if we could, Matt, because I thought that there was there was a tremendous amount of synergy between offensive coordinator and quarterback in the drive. Four different guys caught passes in the drive that took you down the field to win the football game, uh, and the ability of Dirk to kind of morph to what they needed to be. This was an elite pass rush unit, and we were having a really tough time blocking. Their guys up front. Uh, Ryan was under under duress a number of times, albeit only sacked twice, as you mentioned. Got knocked to the ground a number of times. Had to eat a helmet to try to get the ball. There was a number of plays where he couldn't even get the ball off in time because he got hit before he could get it out. So this was a a mo- And I thought both quarterbacks. Are you about were, the final drive. I'm talking about the whole game. Yeah. But I'm talking the. Uh, I thought both quarterbacks were under siege the entire game. I thought both defensive lines played really well. But anyway, that final drive. I thought Dirk did a really good job of making a point of getting the ball out of his hand. Shock. I thought that he did a good job of spreading it. Like I said, to four different guys, and then when you get down there, a uh, really good job by Ryan. He runs out of the pocket. They're going to have to kill the clock. They great moment there where Quinn decides, okay, that's where I'm going to burn the timeout. You and I have been in that situation before, and you're taught as a quarterback when you get in that 40 to 30 range seconds left, it can be a detriment to try to rush to the line of scrimmage and kill the clock because you're going to lose about 10 or 12 seconds. Yeah. Go ahead and take the timeout there, and at that point you can kind of dictate how the last 34 or 32 seconds plays out. I thought that Quinn did a really good job of saving the timeout first in the drive before, but then using it right there to give Max, Matt the maximum mo- amount of time to provide uh, the throw. But uh, Shock, talk us through the, the last play. I talked a little bit about it on, on my deal on on uh, the Falcons quarterback uh, take on uh, .com, which is I uh, just explained that really, really poorly. But uh, um, Welcome to the club. But uh, Shock, take uh, us through that because I know it's going to be something you're going to feature on AtlantaFalcons.com here uh, this afternoon. Yeah, I think we both as quarterbacks look at that play and look at all the things that happened throughout it. And I know you talked about it. I've talked about it again when you see Falcons film session. Um, broke down all the things that happened on this play. And a lot of people say, okay, well, he threw the ball to Julio, and Julio did his best, you know, tough physical impression to get into the end zone, which he did. But to start that play, there were a lot of other things going on. They started Julio to the left side of the the formation, and they brought him across. Pre-snap, automatically, this tells Matt, okay, what coverage do I have now? Is it man? Is it zone? He comes across, okay, the guy runs with him, you know you have man coverage. Initially, when the ball is snapped, Matt wants to work Russell Gage, who is in the slot, on an option route. Option route, he can work in, he can work out, and that is the initial read that Matt looks at. On the outside, Christian Blake has an outside release go route, so it gets that corner out of the way in case he wants to work out. But what the 49ers did, they doubled Russell Gage on the inside. The safety on the inside was playing inside. The nickel guy was playing outside, so they had him doubled. Now his eyes come back to the middle of the field where Julio is coming across on the crossing route. But the other thing to 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 to, to notice is they put Julio in a little bunch set. And when they put him in a little bunch set, Austin Hooper is the guy at the, at the top of this bunch set. The reason his route is so important he goes vertical. As he goes vertical, it forces the guy that's covering Julio Jones to go over the top. When he goes over the top, that gives Julio separation, and it creates that separation away from that defensive back that's trying to cover him in man coverage. And and Hooper continues to drive him vertical, and now you have the separation. And the last thing about that is 
Julio runs this route, and when Matt throws the football, he puts the ball kind of on his back shoulder, on the left back shoulder. And it, I know everybody remembers the safety is coming in from the opposite side. And when he comes in from the opposite side, because Matt puts that ball on that outside, that, that inside shoulder, it turns him towards the goal line. And when the guy hits him from below, his momentum takes him towards the 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 front of the uh, front of the end zone, which ultimately broke the end zone and the Falcons get the touchdown. So well-designed play. I thought, like you just mentioned, Dirk did a good job uh, first identifying Izzy Manor's zone, giving Matt an idea where should I go with the football, and then Matt going from one read to the next in a critical situation, not trying to rush it, not forcing it, but still going through his progressions. And it's kind of what you just talked about. This is a guy who a lot of people, whether you like him, you don't like him, this guy continually comes and fights and plays. And even in a clutch situation like that, the guy still – is fundamentally, mentally, one of the best in the game that did it. And ultimately, he got his team a big-time win because he did the little things. Dirk called the perfect play. Each guy did their 111th, as they call it, doing your particular job and ultimately ended up being the game winner. See, you guys see, that's why I set you both up and wanted to talk about the end of the game there. That was, that was beautiful. <laughs> yeah, the, subtle, <laughs> the subtleties within plays like that matter, kind of what turned he and I's crank because we sat mm-hmm. and watched, we watched tape for endless hours as a as a young player through college into into the pros and and then to look and watch the little subtleties of the Hooper release or the Jones motion that's timed up as he gets right to the end of the line of scrimmage the ball snapped uh, the placement of the football Gage occupying two players it's just those little subtleties make the game what it is for he and I and hopefully the fans enjoy that too because it's really cool well I enjoy it too Arch and uh Let's talk about the play before because that was an excellent play too. The, the Niners call timeout with eight seconds left, and it it looked like yeah. Ryan hit Hooper for a touchdown. Mm. Uh, thrilling moment there. Uh, Paul ball comes down. Looked like to me on TV that the ball actually hit Hooper's foot, um, but the the refs ruled later on that. Um, the ball, ball touched the ground, ground yeah. but he didn't have control. Um, incomplete. But uh, just think about the emotions there. It looked like they'd come back one, but they still had five seconds <laughs> left on the clock. Yeah, I talked. The to next Alec play Ball. was the one you just explained. Yeah, but you did a really good job on that. By the way, uh, Alex Mack. I talked to Max right after the game. I said, Alex, how about that, man? He goes, yeah, we won, we lost, we won. <laughs> I mean, it was back and forth. That was really the emotion of it. Uh, I'm sitting there calling the game with West Durham, and we were riding that same emotional wave. Uh, but, you know, when you talk about subtleties, and Shaq will probably back me on this, how about the ball placement on the throw to Hooper? Oh, okay, yeah. so he's trying to throw the ball, a high-point ball where – only Hoop can go get it. And as it turns out, Hoop's the only guy that got his hands on the ball. But, you know, give the 49ers credit. They had three guys around him. They were able to rake the ball out enough to where the official thought that the ball had come out. You re-rack and you make another play to another big-time player in Julio Jones. So they had a pool reporter meet with the senior vice president of officiating, Al Revere. Mm-hmm. And Revere said, by rule, since it's ruled a touchdown, we take a look here in New York. We see that a player gets control of the football – he gets two feet down, but he doesn't make a football move. The ball actually takes him to the ground. This is the one remaining situation where you have to have two steps. Mm. But if you don't have a football move, you're going to the ground. You must survive the ground. In this situation, he takes the ball. It hits the ground. 
and then he loses control of the football when he comes back up. Therefore, it's an incomplete pass. It's, and it's a good description. Yeah. I, we don't know, and, and all of us were talking before we started today, that it's hard to tell if the ball actually touches the ground, but in their estimation, it did touch the ground. It looked like it might have been on a shoe like you right. suggested. Right. So his description of it is really good. Uh, they really did a good job at the end of this football game getting it done the right way. Sure did. And uh, the Falcons improved to 5-9. and nine. They're 4-2 and two in the second half of the season. Um, really playing well. They've knocked off now the Saints and the 49ers. You noted that in your, your piece. I noted it in my post-game column. Um, this team, I'm telling you, in, you want to talk defense. Let's talk defense now. Um, for a little perspective, in the first half of the season, when they were 1-7, and seven, Atlanta, statistically, defensively, wasn't very good. Um, before the bye, Atlanta had allowed 250 points in eight games. That's 31.3 points per game average. Mm. After the bye, Atlanta has allowed 115 points in six games, which is 19.2. A little perspective on that. The Broncos, heading into the weekend, were 10th in the league with 20.1 points per game. They've gone from 32 to a top 10 defense. That's astonishing. And points allowed. Yeah, no question And points about allowed. It. And that's the big, for me, that's Absolutely. the big stat. Sure, sure. Well, I think that keeps you in games. I mean, the obvious part of it is when your defense is playing well, you're getting teams off the field. I think in this game, uh, they were 4 of 12 on third down. I mean, that speaks to – we talk about it every the week Niners, about yeah. what's going on. Yeah, San Francisco's 4-12. Uh, it talks about how good they are on first and second down. But I think Arch brought that to attention early about the defensive lines in this game. I thought the defensive fronts in this ball game, especially the Falcons side, did a really good job of harassing Garoppolo, uh, Garoppolo a lot of times in this ball game. Got him off his spot. And a lot of times that's what – Coaches who are defensive guys or even just coaches, peer talk about sometimes we can't get the sack. It's all about moving him. It's all about the havoc. It's all about moving him off his spot and forcing him into some uncomfortable spots. And I thought the D-line did that. Give Grady a bunch of credit in this ball game. Uh, the way he affects the game from the middle of <laughs> of a defense is unreal. Uh, Devondre is continuing to play at a high level. I mean, he's, what, over 100 tackles for the first time in his career. Well, and here's something, 11, guys, 11 because, yeah. okay, so Alan Bailey doesn't travel with the team because of a family situation. Uh, he is not uh, – a personal situation is not with the team. So, defensive end, run stopper out, okay? Tack, Tack McKinley goes down <laughs> in the second series of the game. Gone. So now you're already thin at defensive line. Now Jack Crawford, who normally plays inside, is rotating outside at defensive end. And Tuioti Mariner, who plays kind of sparingly, now is getting meaningful snaps at defensive end and doesn't have a ton of experience. So that's what you had to do. And I keep hearing about, okay, well, the 49ers didn't have their players. Well, last I checked, Calvin Ridley and, and, and Trufant didn't play. Yeah. Alan Bailey was gone. You lost Tack McKinley in the first – I didn't see a full complement of Falcons on the field right. either. So this was two; these were two teams that have realized that what the battle of attrition is in the National Football League, everybody's banged up at this time of the year, right? Yeah. And so you've got certain guys on the field that you have to go win with. This was a huge game for the 49ers. Look at the playoff picture right now. The 49ers are the fifth seed right now. Yeah. 
Seattle went to the one seed yeah, because they went from one to five. because of that. Now they they're going to play the Rams and the Seahawks at the end of the year, and so they have a chance to right the ship if they want if they can. But they had a chance to do it yesterday. But they had a chance <laughs> to maybe seal their opportunity with this win. So huge game for them. And then when you talk about the defense, the number one key for me in the game was can you limit San Francisco's run game? They were number two in the league, averaging 149 yards a game. With those three and, backs, yeah. And save Tevin Coleman's 37-yard run. They yeah. ran for 83 yards in the game. Yeah. You take the 37-yard, and it was right at the end of the half. He got the nice run that led to a field goal. They did nothing in the run game. And, shock you and I know – Kyle's offense operates off of the run game, play action, quick game. All that stuff is a part of an extension of their run game. And George Kittle had a monster day, but nope. Emmanuel Sanders was in witness protection. Yeah. Uh, where was Debo Samuel? <laughs> they had one I mean, catch, didn't he? One catch. Yeah, Emmanuel yeah, Sanders had seven for 157 and a touchdown against the Saints the week before. Yeah. I mean, the defense completely locked them down and put this vaunted. This was the number two scoring offensive league average in 31 points a game, 30, 31 points a game. I mean, just a tremendous performance by the defense and then a really good job by Dirk offensively and that staff to find a way to be have a few meaningful runs to kind of supplement screen game, getting the ball out of Ryan's hands, moving the football and putting points on the board. Be- that was a really nice, nice effort. One, one guy I want to add to that, uh, R2, you, you talk about on the defensive side was Bleedy Ray. I thought Bleedy Ray stepped in and played a really big game. I know he had three passes rushing. They tried to isolate him one time with Kittle on the outside, held his own in the end zone. I thought he had a chance for interception. I mean, Bleedy – Stepped up in this ball game, and I thought played some really phenomenal minutes, and and was a big key to helping this defense play the way they did, especially on the back end, and the second and third levels tackled well. I mean, it wasn't easy for the 49ers. Whenever the ball was thrown, they they had guys around them, so I, I thought that was a big part of the game too. I'm glad you brought up Bleedy, uh, because yeah, he did. There were three plays that stood mm-hmm. out uh, to me with him, and two of them were near picks, yeah. and those. Those were those would be game changers. Sure. And so, uh, well, the beauty of it is, Matt. Too, <coughs> you look me. at this thing and you think, okay, you just got to win on the road against arguably maybe the the best team in the in the conference, right? Mm-hmm. Certainly in the conversation. Okay, you you didn't play overly good in all three phases. Your special teams really struggled yesterday. There was a number of mistakes made in the special teams category. You had eleven penalties yesterday penalties. that just derailed oh, penalties. Oh, drives, penalties. right? Christian Blake got called for two holding penalties that really derailed an opportunity to move the football. He wasn't the only one. There was a number right. of guys that got called. So, I mean, you look at this thing and you got a great win on the road against a, a really good football team, and you didn't even play your best football. I, again, that just kind of points to uh, how talented this team is and how, how hard they grind and, and try to fight through some of the adversity. Yeah, and that's that's kind of where I was at when I was kind of – assessing this team and trying to come up with my column idea and in angle and and the one thing that just stands out is that this team has never quit on its coach and um you know Dan Quinn when things were really not going well uh in the first half of the season made some bold decisions um a lot of people were looking at him you know in the media with the side eye going what is he doing and he stood firm, and he reshuffled his staff. Um, he checked his ego at the door, and uh, you know what? Kudos to Coach Quinn because those moves clearly have paid off. Uh, you know, we talked about when they came out of the bye arch, and uh, 
you know, they played really well down in New Orleans, kicked in the doors, but then went up to Charlotte, beat the Panthers up there. Really, you go back and the second half of the Seahawks game, they, they played really well. And they've been playing well for a while, and we just noted statistically how well defensively they've been doing. That's that's all, you know, Dan Quinn's decisions. Yeah. yeah. And, uh, you know, whether, you know, who cares who's calling the plays <clears throat> at this point? Who cares? He doesn't. He just cares about the, the end result. And they're on track, and they, they have a chance to go 6-2 and two down the stretch, which yeah, that's I, saying something. I think you, you bring up a good point about the staff and – what he did to kind of change things around. And, Arch, you just mentioned the fact that, hey, there's a lot of talented guys on this football team. There's just as much talent in the coaching staff. Think about – we talked about coming to this season, how many of these guys on the staff are former head coaches. And, Arch, you alluded to at the end of the ball game the way they used the timeout, the way they went about assessing that part of the game and making sure it gave them the, the right opportunity when you have some of these guys in Coach Quinn's ear – to help him through this process. Think about how many of these coaches as well have been on teams where they have struggled and finding ways to motivate players. So it's not just it's not just these players. These coaches are finding ways to get the most out of the players as well. Now, it goes hand in hand. The guys have to respond to it. But I think the fact that you just mentioned Coach Quinn having these type of guys on his staff who've been around who've done it, and now they're motivating the guys to play at this type of level, and then the guys responding to it and not giving up and some of these tough moments, it just speaks to what he has established since day one of coming to this organization and exactly how much these guys love him, for one, and how much they're willing to give him everything they have, even in the toughest situations. On the road, it just doesn't get any better than that. No doubt. It was interesting, uh, Matt, being out there for how long we, we were out there since Thursday evening. So, you know, you're going to pick up one of the rags out there and read what they've got to say and stuff like that. And 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 then I follow, I follow the – what, what, What's a the rag? Website. That's the newspaper. Oh. Arch, uh, arch the old, media. That's, that's the old – That's the old. That's what it's called, a rag. Yeah, it's called a rag. You pick up the rag. I mean, fish that's, fish that's, wrap. That's a very right. endearing, very oh, okay. endearing deal. Fish wrap, rag. Yeah, if you're in Seattle, of course. But uh, <laughs> Well, maybe in San Francisco, too. I don't know. Um, we, but, call, we call it fish wrap when it's a bad paper. <laughs> but I did – have a chance to look and I don't know I'm not trying to endorse the athletic here or anything like that but I do follow the athletic we've got a, a really good writer here that follows the Falcons and Jason Budd who's, who writes for the athletic and and Jeff Schultz and some guys that are pretty good and there was an article out there that was written on the west coast it was a west coast guy that wrote it, it was not one of our guys that follow the Falcon team and the discussion was that San Francisco was Atlanta West and there was a long uh, – they went through and they interviewed all the guys that were former coaches that went with Kyle from Atlanta to San Francisco and say, okay, give us an idea. It's taken you three years, but here you are in year three, and now they're viable and a threat to potentially win it. Why is that? Every guy to a man, including Kyle Shanahan, mentioned Dan Quinn and the culture that he had built here in Atlanta, nice. that they tried to copy that as close as they could possibly copy it in San Francisco from from the concept of togetherness and or brotherhood or whatever or whatever they call it out there to uh, how they practice to the energy that's around things the positivity around things that Dan Quinn constantly has that was that was something they mentioned to a man that they were on this and then you go look at all the players that are former Falcon players that they've brought out there to help kind of manifest that idea build a program I mean I think you know you start talking about what the highest form of flattery is when somebody yeah. copies what you say or copies imitation. what you do. Yeah, imitates what you do. 
I mean, there you go. the greatest form of flattery, yeah. no doubt about it. Um, just to uh, want to clarify one thing too, uh, I know Matt was under duress. You know, it was a hard fought game. Great yeah. defensive line the the Niners had. <sighs> Bosa as good as it gets is, is good. Models By the way, Lindstrom Lindstrom got a, I got to tell you about the Lindstrom shot on Bosa. But go ahead and finish that. Yeah, my thought was this, and and you know, feel free to disagree, but I thought based on where this line was at different points in the season, based on the fact that Lindstrom is just now getting back in, just based on the fact that Caleb McGarry each game is getting more mm-hmm. experience and getting a little bit better, whether it's in pass protection, whether it's pulling and, and, and leading you know, a sweep or whatever it may be he's asked to do. Um, I thought Jake Matthews at times looked really good yesterday. Um Alex Mack is Alex Mack. I just felt like against that front, I felt good as a Falcons fan, as as someone who is watching the game, observing. Yeah, we didn't run it quite as much as we wanted to. Matt didn't have the the great gaudy stats. Um, But I thought the one word that keeps coming up is solid. I felt like the offensive line was solid. It wasn't great, but it was solid. I felt like the offense, when it needed to be, answered the bell. That's that's all I wanted to clarify. I, 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 they're they're not the second I, coming. And I didn't try of, to refute. I didn't try yeah. to refute what you were saying. You said that the O line played solidly, and they did. Yeah. I think that, you know, there's qualifiers. You got to place on performances. I think when you get a defensive front like this one, this is as mm-hmm. good as a defensive front as you're going to see in the league. Okay. Yeah. This is a team that came in with 45 sacks. What they do is they get ahead, and they rush the passer. If you could take them into deep water and make the game close, now mm-hmm. can they be as effective? I felt like you needed to pound them in the run game because they weren't very good against the run. This was a defensive front that had given up over 100 yards 11 of the 13 games. So you needed to pound them in the run game. I thought Dirk tried to stay that way. with that. He, he sprinkled the screen game, which is a part of your run game as well. Um, this was – and I thought that they – I thought both defensive fronts controlled the game for about three quarters. Uh, there were moments where both offenses got on track. 49ers had a really long drive to score their touchdown. 21 play. Oh, yeah, my 21 goodness. play yeah, drive. Their first touchdown, yeah. And a key moment now, Atlanta had gone had, had a couple series in the game during that time, gone three and out, four and out, and now here go the 49ers on this long drive for a touchdown. The game could get sideways right there, okay? If you don't come out as an offense and do something, and what did Atlanta do? They came out, made two or three conversions on third down, and went on a six-minute drive of their own and punched one in the end zone themselves. I thought that was a huge moment. It was early in the game. It was in the first half. But you start thinking about, okay, moments in the game, we all want to point to Julio's grab. Okay, well, yeah, but you got to get to that point. What's going to sure. get you there? And I thought that was a really big moment in the game that you allow your defense to stay on the sidelines. They just were out there for about six, seven minutes, Gave up 21 plays, but we need to make some adjustments. We need to rest a little bit. Can you provide that opportunity? Not only did they provide the opportunity, they put points on the board to even the game up. Those are the moments in the ebb and flow in a game that sometimes get lost. Wow, that was a big moment right there. Maybe the game gets sideways on Atlanta right there if their defense is back out on the field. For sure. How about right after halftime? Q goes for the onside kick. I loved it. I mean, how about? I mean, I know it didn't work out. We didn't have all 11 guys it. on the field, but. How about the aggressive call? I, I mean, loved it. this is these are things that that, that sometimes goes 
uh, unmentioned because it doesn't work or it didn't work out. But even if it didn't work, it sent a message to his team. And I thought it was phenomenal in that moment to have that kind of gut. You're down, well, you're down, what, 19 to 10 at the time or something, coming out of halftime or something. And no, it was only, it was 13 10, but 13, it was, it was, yeah. is a moment where you're going to potentially give one of the best offenses in the league the ball to 50 yard line. Yeah. And yeah. so you go ahead and roll the dice and do that. Now, we can laugh about it now. Shock and I have been in some of these meetings. I don't know who was not on the field for that, right. but there's going to be a significant yeah. kangaroo court fine attached <laughs> to that bad boy. Come you you on. can bet on that. Come on. Yeah, I'm with you. You know what, though? Even though they didn't have, you know, they were penalized, didn't have enough men. It was 10 10, by the way. Uh, the fact that Ku kicked it, and I think Aluakan recovered, right? Yes. He's unbelievable. And it was this like 4 for 1, right? Like yeah. deja vu. And it, it, <laughs> it didn't, okay, so it didn't work out, the, the penalty, but it was still kind of like a, a feel good moment. It was like, we did it again. Yeah. yeah. And it was still kind of that jolt the team needed. It was like, and it sent a message to the team, it sent a message to Frisco, like, hey, we're here to play. Yeah. That's and, not a bad uh, thought. That's a good thought. And yeah, so right. I, I felt like there was still some juice that came out of it. Yeah, it was just it, it wasn't the best day for the special no. teams because we've had some really good special even, teams games, right? Kenyon Barner had the fumble. Yeah, Kenyon yeah. dropped the football. At, at, <laughs> Kenyon was talking after the game, and it's it's you know obviously all this stuff you can kind of you can kind of joke, but uh, Kenyon was running around and saying the bail bondsman bailed me out, man. The bail bondsman <laughs> bailed me out. You can but see him. Yeah, he felt horrible. There's nobody that's more wrapped up. We we get a chance to be around those guys post game. And he is wound tight now. It means yeah. a ton to him to perform at the highest possible level and do his job. He knows he has a specific moment when he can make a play. How about the punt return and a really poor decision about Jamal Carter to make a block on a guy that really no angle in the block? Yeah. Does that block really make a difference? Because it looked like Barner was going to be free anyway. Yeah. So there were a number of moments there, and it was not. This won't be the funnest time to sit down and watch the watch the tape with Ben Cutwicka. You know the the. The uh, special teams coordinator. The win but, will ease it. Hey, though. you know. Well, to tell me about this uh, this Lindstrom story. Oh, okay. So yeah. So Bosa, uh, who you mentioned, you mentioned Jake Matthews. I don't know if you if you guys go back and look at the tape on the deep throw to Jones where he gets interfered with in the end zone. Yeah. Who's one on one? Bosa's one on one with Matthews, and Matthews shadows him and keeps him off Ryan for about three four seconds there, so Ryan can load it up and let it go. That's a play really I was pretty cool of. moment. Yeah. But he goes with a hard speed rush on Caleb McGarry, right? Uh-huh. And Caleb sets perfectly, gets to the outside. Now, Bosa's going to try to come back to the inside. Well, Lindstrom kind of checked Mac to see Mac was okay. He cranes his head to the outside, and he decleats no. Bosa. Oh, oh, I mean, he comes down on him, and boom! <laughs> I mean, just destroyed him. I, I thought that... <laughs> When you start sending messages of physicality yeah. up front, there's never any doubt that that a Caleb McGarry is physical. Just haven't seen Lindstrom enough, right. or have him identify or give himself an identity out there. Enough. That's an identity play. He knocked the hell out of this guy. That maybe he maybe the rookie of the year just dropped the hammer on him. I just thought that physicality that you want to have as a mentality kind of showed up on that. Let play. me get the Love fans. that you brought those two plays up with Matthews and Lindstrom. Fans a little insight on Lindstrom. I think a lot of people have seen Lindstrom talk or you've been around him outside of the field and he's just the most likable guy, kind of, you know, really soft-spoken kind of guy. But I heard from, from, from somebody who's on the field and during the game said he is one of the most intense guys you've ever seen. He said when this guy came off the sideline, talking about Lindstrom, 
He double take looked at him like, is this the same dude? And he said, this guy has a different motor, has a different switch yeah. when the when the game happens, when he's on the field. So you love that edge about him. And I think that's the toughness that you love. And he's going to be a guy that you want to watch. And I love the fact he checked, he checked Bosa like that. That's yeah. it. I love, it. I I love like, it. QBs love that. I just want to bring up Kenyon Barner, too. Um, not so much for yesterday, but he's provided quite a spark for this team. Um, he catches the rock. That's what matters. <laughs> he catches you know, the rock and trying to get something. For the past couple of years, we, we've been looking for that spark on special teams. And he's provided it, I think, this year. And he, and the other stuff that he does, too, is he, and he's, a, he's a capable receiver coming out of the backfield. Mm-hmm. He's, he's proven that. So he's versatile. He's a six-year vet. But I love what he's brought to the team in terms of attitude. Um, in, in one of the credit one of the fans who wrote in last week about Barner and got me thinking about it. You know, when they traded Mohamed Sanu to the Patriots, Sanu was in a lot of ways kind of that guy that kind of, you know, he, he brought some attitude to the, the juice team. Guy. Juice guy. Yeah. yeah, that's a great term, juice guy. And I think Barner has is is has been that juice guy for this team. Yeah, in, he in a lot of ways. He doesn't back down. He's a he's a swagger guy. He's a guy that, you know, look at us, forget them, you know, we we've got this. He does bring all that. I agree with you completely. And it's a good point about the Sanu losing losing Sanu and maybe Barner stepping up into that role. Um, yeah, Kenyarn is a guy that uh, I've had a chance to talk to him a number of times, and uh, he's a learned man. He's got his degree. He's this guy is a hmm. the smart guy, um, but he he what he'll do, and it, it it's hard to explain to to those that have never done it before. Uh, and I think all of us have gone down and caught punts. But now when you've got 11 guys coming down <laughs> to try to hit you in the mouth, man, it's a different deal. Yeah. And so it's easy to kind of wave the hand and fair catch. Now you got to catch it, which I don't think is easy anyway. But to catch the football knowing and glancing down and looking, because and, and, you rarely see him fair catch the ball. Now yeah. he's trying to make a play yeah. every time. Maybe do a detriment on the one that he fumbled, but – he also has a big return for a touchdown, helped us win a game, and, and sure had did. another play that was going to give us a short field opportunity. So, yeah, Ken Brown Barner has become a big part of what this team is, and he's the first guy that you kind of sit up on the edge of your seat since Devin Hester was here. You think, wait a minute, this guy has a chance, chance to do something big right here. No doubt. Love that uh, comparison um, in perspective, I should say. But uh, So here, the, here they are, 5-9, and nine, and have Jacksonville coming to town. And have a chance to finish seven and nine, go figure. Not a lot of people thought at uh, the bye that that would be a possibility. So, what team? What Dan Quinn was asked this in the presser uh, after the game when you're assessing this team? Is it which team? Which team are you? You know, when they're looking at this team in this year. Well, you know, they're a five and nine team. You you are what your record says you are. However, you gotta love how they finished, how they are finishing, but. There's work to be done. They've got. They can't come back home. They've got. They've got a tough game coming up with Jacksonville, who's just coming off a win, I believe. And then Tampa yeah, Bay beat, beat the Raiders in their swan song in Oakland, Alameda yeah. County Coliseum. There's no a game that the Raiders wanted to live win more than that oh, to yeah. leave that building, and, and they didn't get it done. Yeah, and then bu- the Buccaneers. My, my goodness. Uh, Jameis throwing for 300 in the Jameis first half. Jameis Winston. I mean. He's back-to-back 450-yard games with four touchdowns. I mean, the guy no, – nobody's ever done that before. Wow. So, so he's like – and he lit us up last time we saw him. So They've got their work cut out for yeah. him. Yeah. Thought, thoughts on Jacksonville and just where this team is fun, right now? Fun last two games. Uh, uh, I think the way you finish means a lot. 
Uh, I know everybody talks about the start of the year, which is a part of your story. But mm-hmm. at the end of the day, uh, I think what you put on film to end this season, how you looked, how you persevered, how you began to play these last two games, I think matters. And I think ultimately you hear coaches say it all the time, yeah, we can see a different opponent across from us. But I think the true correlation of who this team is is how they play within within their self. And a lot of games we've seen it not be the other team that has affected the Falcons. It's been the Falcons that have affected their self. So ultimately I think it just comes down to the way they finish, but these are yeah, they, these are two big games to show what this team is made of, and um, I think ultimately it just comes down to the birds, man. Well, you got two wins over the two best teams in the NFC right now, and and, and Seattle, you, you on the be, road, you, you beat them yeah. on the road, and, <laughs> and you had a chance maybe late against Seattle that kind of derailed a little bit after a great second half against the Seahawks. So you've played toe to toe with the best three teams in the conference, um, I think right now. So. All, that's great. You know, that really is good. You're four and two in the back half of the year after a, a horrible front half. You're riding the ship here in the back half. All of that is cool, but I'll be honest with you guys. I really think there's a ton riding on these last two games mm-hmm, totally that, agree. that validate those couple of wins and those couple of feel good moments. If you can close the show now here against a Jacksonville team that's thinking the same thing. They want momentum going into the offseason. Are they trying to maybe preserve what Doug Marone's situation potentially is in Jacksonville? Those type of things. There's a lot going on with them that they're trying to fight through. Got a young quarterback that's trying to prove that he's the guy in this league, and he's had some moments himself. Garner Minshew. Yeah, so you've you've got that to deal with, and then you've got your divisional opponent, which we'll talk about next week, that I think that's going to be a, a really difficult game. But let's get let's get Jacksonville taken care of this week, and I think it's going to be a very tough football game. They pride themselves on being physical defensively. they got a quarterback that, like I said, is trying to prove who he is, and, and they like to run the football too. So you better bring your big boy pads and, and get ready to play. And let's win in your own building. That's been kind of a struggle to win in front of your home fans. There's been some neat moments on the road. Yeah. Let's let our own people sample that. Let's let them get a feel for that. You got one against Carolina two weeks ago. Let's get one against Jacksonville this week. Especially in that environment uh, yesterday, um, it's it's something to see. You know, I wasn't there, but I, you know, you were there. Um, but when you see a packed stadium late or middle of December with the team playing for a lot, that you know, the uh, that that says something, especially in ownership. Um, I liked what Dan Quinn said though when he was asked about it. He said, "I don't want to go back or look too far ahead. I just want to stay in the moment with this group of guys. However, we fouled it up. This is where we're at." So he is very much focused it's, in the moment. It's real. <laughs> it's real, yeah. and <laughs> they are locked in on you know, they are locked in on Jacksonville. And it was it was a great win, but uh, go get another one, there man. is. A lot of work still to be done, uh, and they've got you know some business to take care of. We're on to Jacksonville. On to Jacksonville. I think you said it perfectly, Arch. <laughs> All right, that's going to wrap it up for us. Uh, good job, guys. This is Falcons Audible, presented by AT and T. 